Welcome to Growing Your Team, a podcast designed for small business owners seeking to grow their company with the help of employees and contractors. Your time is limited, which means growing and leveraging teams is essential for business success. The Growing Your Team podcast is the place to learn tips and techniques designed to help you know when it's the right time to hire, how to select perfect fit team members, and how to maximize productivity while creating a positive work environment. Drawing from her 10 plus years of leadership and hiring experience, here is your host, Jamie Van Kike. Hello, Jamie Van Kike here, and welcome to the Growing Your Team podcast. Today, I am bringing on the podcast's first guest, Jenna Corelli. Jenna is the CEO and owner of J. Corelli Consulting, LLC, and founder of the Raising Influence Community. Her prior six years of experience in the corporate world as a paralegal has enabled her to incorporate a legal and psychology background into the work that she does. She specializes in back-end marketing, aka what to do with a client and customer once they say yes. Jenna is an advocate of simplifying systems and client and customer journey in order to profit and impact more while doing less yourself. Jenna shares with us what drove her to start her business and what made her hire her first team. She shares with us some of the bumps she had along the way and the process that she goes through now to make sure that she's delegating the right tasks and more importantly, empowering her team members so her team members actually save her time instead of doubling her work. Let's jump into the interview. Hello, Jenna. Thank you so much for coming on today. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, so let's get started with you telling everybody a little bit about yourself, so your backgrounds and the business that you run today. Yeah, so I graduated with a criminal justice and psychology degree, worked for six years in the corporate world as a paralegal, found out very quickly I did not want to go the lawyer track, and I didn't I didn't want to graduate or, or uh, promote myself in the legal field, but I had a side hobby of health and wellness. So I actually left my corporate job because of a health and wellness position where I was hosting nutrition seminars for CrossFit gym members, a very, very niched community. And when I had my first daughter in July of 2016, I needed to focus inward. I needed to focus more on myself and my own health and wellness and figuring out life as a new mom. And I really couldn't put all that time and energy into others. So what I reflected on was the fact that I was able to grow a business pretty quickly while growing a child in the wellness industry. So I transitioned a lot, but I transitioned at that point to business consulting for wellness professionals. And I just helped the wellness professional, mostly dietitians, naturopathic doctors who worked in an office setting. I helped them bring their business online, market themselves online, create courses online. And um, I needed more time. I, I didn't have much time to work. I had about four hours a week, two hours with a babysitter on Tuesday, two hours with a babysitter on Thursday. So I was was forced or really pushed at the time to understand systems, 
automation and delegating tasks that weren't serving me in order to keep my business running. So that was when I decided to form a team behind myself, which took me a while to do. I was that business owner who put my hand up and said, I will never hire help. I'm doing everything myself. Like that's what business owners do. That's the hustle. And that's what I believed in until I literally couldn't do it. And I did not see my business growing or scaling without help. So I was afraid of help, but I asked for help and I went full force at it. I'm an all or nothing kind of girl. So I hired an online business manager who helped me hire six people right off the bat in different specializations in order to implement for our clients. So I had found that I was giving strategy to my clients as the business consultant, but they weren't taking action on that strategy. They weren't implementing that strategy. So that was the gap that I saw. And so I just hired a team of people in order to fill that gap for my clients. And eventually for two years, that turned into us running an implementation agency. It was just me with a bunch of subcontractors. They weren't employees. Um, and we had 12 people working for us and we worked primarily with private consulting clients. And then the team took over their funnel formation, website building, copywriting and tech issues. Um, so I did that for two years and then I found a passion in one-on-one, -on -one, in-person human connection. And I formed a events brand and community. So now we host a live event annually every year and we do small group workshops and virtual workshops throughout the year with a little bit of private consulting and digital marketing on the side. Great. It's always one of those things that I'm talking with sometimes with other business owners and they're like, I don't understand how business owners can work like less than 40 hours a week, less than 60 hours a week. I hear these stories mm -hmm. about people working like multiple six-figure businesses and they work 20 hours a week with their kids and they're at their side and they're like, it's just not possible. And I'm like, it is possible when you set your business up that way. And for some people, they do it from the start. I feel like it's sometimes harder to transition to that because you have to like go of so much. But when you do it from the start and you're like, hey, listen, I only have so much time. How do I maximize and get the most out of the time I have? And yeah. you build that team and you build those systems, and you build that automation from the start. You realize that you don't always have to work a crazy amount of hours to have a successful business. And that was me. So if you're listening and it's you, you're like, I'm working 80 plus hours a week. That was me. And let me tell you, I loved it. When it was just me taking care of myself and my husband and we didn't have a child, we had a dog. <laughs> like I would go to my job. I'd wake up early, do my side hustle, go to my job, come home, do my side hustle. And I loved working. So for me to go from, I love working, I don't want to rest, I don't want to take a break, to realizing that it's affecting my health, it's affecting my happiness, it's affecting my relationship, and now it's affecting my family because I have a child, I had to really set boundaries for not my clients, but myself in order to be happier all around and find my own balance. I don't really believe in balance, like one balance that everybody's looking to attain, but my balance had to include self-care and rest. <laughs> and right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So to give everyone listening a little background, so Jenna and I actually first met because we both have that leadership bug and someone asked for local leaders to step up and hold meetings for their national brands. And we both raised our hand and we were selected for the Tampa Bay area. So it 
it had us like leading and co-facilitating meetings together. And one of the things I loved about everything I was hearing and learning about Jenna, I was just like, wow, from the beginning, like she really embraced having a team. She's embracing, empowering a team and all these things that she kept talking more about like her team and her business. I'm like, ah, oh, you're, she's always speaking stuff like to my heart where some people I'm just like, oh, well, I'm like, I just want to get in and be like, we need to fix that or correct that. I'm like, yes, Jenna has it. She has it down. You know, she's doing things, you know, to really leverage and grow teams the way business owner should. And I love that leadership, you know, passion and everything that Jenna had. Thank so, you. yeah. So <laughs> let's dig a little bit more into everything that I've learned about you and your business and share with everyone else so they can love your leadership spirit and everything as well. Yeah. So when, when I knew I wanted to hire a team, I, I did not know what I was doing. <laughs> and, and I know that about myself, right? So first of all, be aware of who you are and, and what you are good at and what you are not good at. And the first thing that I realize I'm good at is delegating <laughs> and realizing what I'm not good at. So I did an exercise that I call the FTF exercise, fascinations, tolerations, frustrations, three columns. And I just started recording on a weekly basis or anytime it came up, if I had a call with a client and I was like really irritated and frustrated at the end of that call, I put that type of client in that column of frustration. So over time, I was able to build a list of things that made me and kept me very happy. Things that I'm tolerating, like maybe checking your email. A lot of people are just tolerating that when you could be delegating that to somebody else or things that are absolutely frustrating me. Can I eliminate those things? Am I doing them because society's pressing it on me, but it's not actually moving the needle forward in my business? So can I eliminate it? Can I automate it? Or can I delegate it? Taking those three columns, fascinations, tolerations, frustrations, and deciding whether to eliminate, automate, or delegate. That's where I started. Then I knew in order to hire somebody, I needed help figuring out how to hire. How do you sift through a million people in a Facebook group saying, I want to do what you're asking for. And I didn't even know what I was asking for. I'm just like, I need a copywriter. I need a tech VI. I need a website developer. Mm -hmm. So I hired somebody to do that process for me. I hired somebody, her title was an online business manager. I'm sure there's different titles, but I hired her to do the sifting of subcontractors and to, you know, we went over our first phase together was really outlining the roles and responsibilities of the people who we need on our team. So once we had a good idea of exactly who we need on our team, I know what systems I work with. I know that I work with WordPress. I work with active campaign, email marketing. We didn't like try to do it all. So we were only asking for people to join our team who were very proficient in WordPress and active campaign or Calendly, you know, whatever you use. So um, she went out and found a bunch of people who gave, gave us um, a pretty good reason why they should work with us. The people who didn't give us much information, she just kind of threw them away, came up with like 10 people. And I ended up doing 10 interviews and hiring six people from those 10 interviews. So my job was really just getting on the phone, feeling these people out, having, you know, having a good connection with them, asking them the right questions. We came up with some good questions to ask them in order to, to really um, understand if they're a good fit or not, and then deciding to hire. Um, so I did ask for help for the hiring process. 
Yes. And of course, I love to hear that because, you know, some of the things that I just want to reiterate from like what you said is starting off like, you don't have to be the perfect leader to start. Like, no one is the perfect leader. No one is the perfect boss. No one knows how to do it right 100% of the time. Like, you're going to screw up, but you'd still need to do it. It's like with anything. Like, if you wait until you're 100% ready, you waited too long. And you're never going to become the perfect leader, perfect boss, perfect hirer unless you do it. Like those are things that come with practice and come with knowledge. You can only gain by getting into it. So you definitely jump in, do it. Don't let the fear of not knowing everything hold you back. I will add too that prior to these six hires and forming this implementation agency, I did hire two virtual assistants completely out of line, like arbitrarily, like one of those just like type in a Facebook group and say, Hey, I need a virtual assistant, but didn't give any information as to like who I'm looking for or what they should be specializing in and took the first person who said, I'll pay you 10, you know, I'll take $10 an hour. And I was like, you're in. And that my experience with that kind of a a working relationship, both were negative. Um, It was me saying, okay, you're my virtual assistant. So tell me what you're supposed to do. (laughs) Like assuming that they knew what I needed and I didn't know what I needed. So it didn't end well. It just ended up being me throwing them tasks that um, the outcome was not what I wanted and it didn't work out. So I learned from that. And so the second time around, I was like, okay, I'm going to be, I'm going to act like the CEO in my business this time. And I'm going to form this in a professional manner. And one way Mm -hmm. that they stayed with me for two and a half, three years as we we uh, worked with these private clients. So it was a good. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, no, that sounds like, and that was actually another thing I was going to stress from like what you shared was the fact that you were, you became very clear on the help that you needed. You knew you needed people helping with certain systems and you found the people that could help with those systems. One of the things about, you know, virtual assistants is they're great, but everyone specializes in something different. So it's one of those, that's one of those roles and really any role, if you don't know what's important within that role for your business, you're most likely not going to find the person that you actually need. That person could be great, amazing, getting wonderful results for somebody else. But if they can't do what you need, it's never going to be that great match. And a lot of times you then end up frustrating. So I love that you really narrow down like what systems, what tools, what these people need to be working on for your business, where your focus should be, and then making your process around that. Mm-hmm. Also, like you said, getting help. You don't have to do everything as a business owner. And you know, sometimes as a business owner, hiring that person that's going to help you hire is a smart move. It's something that you can do but you can't completely take yourself out of the hiring process. So you were still involved in figuring out like, what do these roles look like? You were still involved in those final interviews, but you had someone that was going to help navigate those, that middle part, that middle piece that takes time. But as long as you're clear up front and can communicate properly to that person what you need and then doing the back end and interview. So you get the person that's going to do the, can do the job and click with your business, with your culture. That's that's great. Like you don't have to do everything yourself in the hiring process because it can be cumbersome. It's a lot. It can be a lot of time. Mm -hmm. And you learn, I learned so much throughout the process. I now understand the steps and, and that it is a process. Hiring is a process. It's not just like an inspired action. You wake up and hire the first person who raises their hand. And when you ask for help, they educate you along the way and they teach you. So you become a better 
employee, a better, a better leader all around. Mm-hmm. Um, we're always improving. I'm not perfect. I'm still not perfect. We're always improving, but it, it helps. Every little bit helps. Yes, definitely. And one of the other things I love that you said was the process that you bring people through to figure out like what to delegate that you did yourself. And I know you do this a lot with your clients now is you figure out in there what can be eliminated from your business. Too often we're saying, I don't want to do this. It takes my time. So I'm just going to hire someone for it. But it actually provides no value to your business. So I absolutely love that you help people figure out really what is a value for my business to keep? What is moving me forward versus what can we just get rid of? Like, what do we not need? And it's it's one of those things like you need to figure out those value added tasks. And yes, there are some tasks that you don't really see as value added, but you need to keep like your accounting and like some of those other things where it keeps your business going, but you know, you don't see the value in it day in and day out. But then there's those other tasks where maybe you're blogging, but the blog is doing absolutely nothing for you. And you need to figure out a different way to generate, you know, visitors to your website and do everything, other things. So it's like, just cause you're doing it doesn't mean it needs to continue. Mm-hmm. A lot of those things are time consuming too. And it's usually what we do as well. So when we, when we wake up and we're like, how do I run my business today? We go to those little things like optimizing my LinkedIn profile or blogging or, or scrolling social media like Instagram and just like liking and commenting on Instagram. We do those things because they're easy and they're mindless tasks. But what we're avoiding are the hard tasks that actually grow our business. Right? So when we eliminate those mindless, easy tasks, and we really just dedicate some focused time, like people call it power hours. Like if we dedicate that time to the things that actually work and the things that are moving our business, which means you need to track things that are working and keep keep an eye out for that, um, we're working less, we're doing less, but we're making more income and we're impacting more people if we yes, do that. Yes, exactly. One of the things I also love that you, know, you talk about is empowering your team. So tell us how you empower your team members. Well, this was a lesson learned for sure, because I'm, I mean, think about yourself. We enjoy when people give us compliments. We enjoy when people make us feel empowered or powerful in the job that we're doing, right? As a leader, Jamie and I both feel very empowered when we're in that leadership role. I didn't click that. I mean, I did not initially make that connection that I'm hiring team members who also need to be consistently supported and empowered in order to do their job. So I'm telling you, I didn't do this right off the bat. This is something that I learned. And I, as a leader, I like to delegate and fires happen and things come up and I will go right to my team and say, do this, do that, do this, without really taking a step back and and thinking about the relationship that I'm having with them. Like, am I asking them about their weekend? (laughs) Am I asking them about whether they're understanding what I'm delegating or how I'm delegating or how I'm phrasing it, whether, you know, whatever. Am I even having a, a conversation with them or am I just throwing things at them and asking them to complete tasks? So what I learned is, Um, because we had some issues with tasks not being completed and we had some issues with um, uh, tasks in the queue. So whatever project management system or however you delegate 
your tasks out. Um, they were sitting in the queue waiting for my approval. They were sitting in the queue waiting for like, uh, yes, you can move forward with the next step when I really wanted them to be proactive and move forward and feel empowered and powerful to make that decision themselves without having to ask me. So I didn't blame that on them. I looked inward and I said, okay, so why do they not feel comfortable making this decision themselves? Like I'm obviously not giving them that power. Right. So I needed to figure out how I, I just had to have a conversation really with them over and over and over again saying, look, I trust you. And I trust that your decision is going to be much better than mine. And I want you to make those decisions. So go ahead and do them. And if you mess up, we're human, right? We just fix our mistakes so that we enhance them and make them better for the next time. And I, I can't get angry at their mistakes because the second I get angry at a mistake that they make, the second they go right back into letting things sit in the queue and not being proactive because I need to make the final decision. Yes. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's so fascinating when you really look into this like cycle of micromanaging and dependency and it's really created by the leader, by the business owner, but it creates those frustrations. You're like, why aren't they doing things without my approval? And sometimes I have to go in and tell my clients, I was like, because you're creating a system, creating a process where they feel that they need your approval. So yeah. Yeah, sometimes you have to go and relook at it and say, how, how do I empower them? How do I get them to do yeah. it? And the second you um, are angry with them because of the decision they make, it reverts right back to, okay, now I can't do anything without her approval. And for me, it, I ended up doing more work. Like I was delegating but then doing more work than I was doing before I delegated because I had to be the final approval on all these tasks. And that was not working. Right. So I was like, I'm not actually, I'm actually doing more. <laughs> I'm doing more. So I was like, we've got to figure out a system where um, my employees, my subcontractors know that I trust them. And I just need to remind them that I trust them over and over and over again so that they can make that decision. And then come to me and say, here was the issue. This was the issue. This is how I resolve the issue. Um, and this is the outcome. And if it's great, it's great. If it's not, then I'm like, okay, great. So for the next time that this comes up, here's what I would recommend instead of getting angry. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. It's one of those things, it comes down to having a great onboarding process with your team members. That process where, yeah, at the beginning, there might be a little bit of extra handholding because they're learning about you, they're learning the way you like to do things, they're learning about your business, all this learning things that are coming in, and then slowly you're letting go of that control. You're, you're getting to the point where you're, instead of telling them and directing them on every step, they're now slowly taking that over. But you have to build that into your process and build that into your training and onboarding. Otherwise, you're going to get in that cycle of- Training and onboarding. <laughs> You've got to have it too. Yeah. Um, but my online business manager also, um, we had a really, really great relationship that I valued where she called me out and I was totally cool with it, right? If I, if I started rolling back into, I need to make the final decisions and everything, she would send me a message and say, listen, I think the team is getting a little frustrated. I think the team feels this way. Let's talk about this again. And she would bring me back to center, right? Mm -hmm. And so um, having that third party, having a coach of some sort on your side, who's kind of just being a fly on the wall as you're running your business definitely helps because 
you don't see things that they see. And it's right. very, very helpful when they can add um, their, what, what they see and how they perceive things to help the dynamic of the team work. Yes, exactly. It's one of those things, especially if you're working with freelancers and contractors as a business owner, I always like to say, well, if you're treating, if a client treated you like you're treating this person, would you want to keep working with that client? Would you want a client micromanaging everything that you do? Would you want a client being like, you can't move forward until I approve something, but what I want to approve is your area of expertise. You'd be like, well, no, I know what I'm doing. Why do you need to tell me that I'm doing what I'm doing well when that's the reason you hired me? So it's like, yeah, you want to, you have to remember when you're working with freelancers and contractors that that's their business, that's their expertise. Like there's a reason you hired them to do this role. And even when though with employees, they're not business owners, they're a part of your business. It's kind of the same thing. You're putting someone in that role because they can do the job mm-hmm. and you need to let them do the job. And, and don't just task them out. I also learned this. I mean, I, before I had the training and the onboarding of team members and as I worked with team members for a longer period of time, I started applying more training and more onboarding. So they got more information about me as we worked together, but it was helpful for them to know what I'm focusing on this quarter in business or what I'm focusing on this year in business, what my mission is, what my core values are. If you leave all of that out, they don't really know who they're trying to be for you. I mean, they're willing to learn and, and act as you in certain situations when they make their business decisions. But if you don't give them that information, they're not seeking it out. Um, So we need to make it really, really easy for our team members to understand who we are and what we're focusing on in our business as well. Right. Exactly. And speaking of focusing on, you know, what's important for your business with your business journey, your business has changed. You know, you went from health and wellness to systems and processes, now doing a lot of events and everything. So some of the support that you've needed has probably changed. There might have been people that have grown and moved with your company, but there might have been other people that you've had to cut ties with. You've had to say this relationship's not working anymore, or they've said, listen, where your business is going, my business isn't going that direction. So end of our contract, we're done. How have you navigated those changes in your business? Yeah, lots of transitions. Um, One of the things that I'm really good at is taking success principles from different industries and applying them to new industries. So the basic foundational model that I've used has been the same, but I have changed industries and I have needed to offboard and onboard new team members. Um, Again, my my online business manager did that part for me because I hate letting people go. Um, so she helped me out and actually did the letting go of team members if we, we had to let go or in our contract, if, um, a team member wanted to leave, cause we have had team members leave, they had two weeks, they had to give us two weeks notice, complete the project or task that they had been working on. And then they were able to go, um, nine times out of 10, they helped me find a replacement, but we had two weeks to find a replacement for that team member and and offboarding is is huge because you don't want to leave on a bad note with any team member whether you are leaving on a bad note or not if you leave in silence if you just get that email that says you know I'm leaving from them and then you're like okay cool have a great life <laughs> like um 
that's a bad note, right? So I do an offboarding where I'll even record a personal video to send to them. And I, you know, I'll sit down and journal and think about all the things that I appreciated that they did for me and send that to them. So they have that to remember as like the last point of contact. And some have come back. Um, it just wasn't the right time for them at that moment. So it's cool. It's okay. Um, but what you need to do is build that portfolio of key responsibilities and roles so that as you are transitioning and switching over team members, the next person coming on board knows what's been done and knows what they're jumping into and what the future holds. So they have an idea and a vision of what they're doing for you before they even start. Yes, exactly. And I love that idea of offboarding. It is so important. You know, the, the two moments that someone's going to remember the most about working for your company is that when they start and onboarding, it's a long process, but they're going to remember what they felt like when they started, if it was a great relationship, and then they're going to remember what they felt like when they were leaving. Mm-hmm. A lot of business owners are like, well, this person's leaving me, so I don't, I don't care about them anymore. Whether it's an employee or a contractor, they're like, they're ending the relationship, it's done. Especially if it's the other person telling you that they no longer want to work with your company for whatever reason. And I'm always like, but they, you still want to value them. You need to value them until the last day. You need to make sure you're treating them with respect until that last day. You need to thank them for what they, they did for your company and everything because they're going to remember that you know they're going to have that impression of were you were you actually valuing them or were you just like well you were just turning work for me and now that you're not turning work for me i don't care about you Mm -hmm. one of the questions i ask during the interview process when somebody schedules that interview call with me to be a hire to be a subcontractor um my calendar form has a bunch of questions and one of them is where do you see yourself in five years So I did get some people in the beginning who just wanted to work for me to learn what I do and then become a business consultant and kind of like mimic my actions. And that's not somebody that I would hire. I want to hire somebody who tells me in the next five years, I want to be doing the thing that you're hiring me for, (laughs) you know, Um, not something different. So there are things like what's your zone of genius and where do you see yourself in five years and what time zone are you working in and how many hours can you dedicate towards this partnership? Those questions help and even a hierarchy of what can you do because some virtual assistants are, they are jack of all trades. They, they go by the hashtag all the things and they can do tech and they can do admin and they can do social media. That's good to know that they can overlap and kind of help each other out if somebody's sick. But I'll ask, what's your number one? Like, and when I say number one, what brings you the most joy and the most happiness? Because I want my subcontractors working in the industry, in the, the specialty that brings them the most happiness. So those right. questions I ask, um, and any, you know, hierarchy, any other leadership qualities that they have where they can kind of overlap with other team members, that's beautiful, you know, because then they can help each other out. Um, but those questions really help you decide on who you're hiring to make sure that it is a long-term partnership versus having to transition people all the time. Right. So one of the things I want to ask you about is I know from our conversations, you are big in knowing people's personality types or Enneagram or all that stuff. How do you bring that into your leadership style? 
I recently learned about the Enneagram and like, I'm obsessed because mine's spot on. I'm a three on the Enneagram. My husband's a seven, a seven on the Enneagram, which is funny because I signed a client once, a private client who was like, I'm a seven and my husband's a three. So like I was working with a seven and I, as a three, and that's what me and my husband are. So it was like, well, obviously we mold, like we're perfect for each other. Um, and if and anyone doesn't know what Enneagram is, I'm going to link to some information about it in the show notes. So you can go and check it out and know what we're talking about and find out your number as well. But yeah, continue. there's other personality <laughs> tests like Myers-Briggs and other things that you've probably heard of. The Enneagram is just and for me, it's easier to say I'm a three versus listing all the things that the three involves and, you know, people are understanding. So the way I've brought this into my business and my personal life, like my husband and I understand each other so much more and he's a leader in his company as well, uses this, but, um, I'll ask people or I'll have them take this personality test prior to getting on a sales call or prior to getting on a call with a new subcontractor who I might be hiring because I'm learning about their love language. I'm learning about, you know, what really lights them up, how they work, um, how they need to be praised. Um, a three, like we kind of, you know, we're, we like to be leaders and we like to, um, to, to accomplish things and goals in life. But what we keep hidden is the fact that we also like to be told that we're doing a great job. Like I enjoy when somebody's like, congratulations, like you just put off this event or you just did this and that. And like, I'm really proud of you. And I want that like from my father, you know, like from people yes. who are close to me. So if they know that about me, then they can give that praise more often. If I know that about a team member, I know, and I can schedule in my calendar once a week, just check in with them and tell them they're doing a good job because I know that's going to enhance their work that they're doing for me. So um, little things like that help. I know people who do this before they get on sales calls so that they know exactly how to talk. You know, if somebody's more re reserved, you're not going to be all hype on a sales call because that's not really doing anything for them. You need to kind of come down to mellow and just be in the energy of the person that you're communicating with. Exactly. I know I first learned about personality tests back when I was in corporate and they made us go through one of them. Um, I think we, we did Myers-Briggs, I think at first. And then we, when we had like this really big training, I remember with our team, it was with DISC. And it was so eye-opening to me as a manager, just learning about where everybody was on my team, like what their personalities were and knowing how to communicate with them. Like that was the biggest thing. I felt like after we went through that and I learned everyone's personalities, learned how they connected with mine, it was like, I, I know how to interact with you so much better. And we did, our relationships just grew. Like I knew there were certain team members when we'd come into a one-on-one -on -one meeting, I should ask them, how's your family? What'd you do over the weekend? How's your kids? Like have those questions. But there was other people on my team. If I asked those same questions, they would look at me like I'm crazy and they'd be like, oh my God, Jamie's wasting my time. Can't we just right. like get to <laughs> it, get to the meat of this meeting and get out of here. And you know, it's just like as a leader, once you learn how to interact, it's, it's so eye opening, and you can really create those amazing relationships. You know, who love, love languages yes. too. Yeah. I mean, I, so there are people in my life who are gift givers in my family and guys, I don't care about getting gifts. Like I appreciate it. And I will thank you from, you know, for forever for that gift. But there's just no little trigger that goes off in my mind. That's like, 
I don't know. But if you do words of affirmation, like if you tell me how you feel, that will make me cry. Like that will like really hit home for me. Um, what we tend to do is we do for others what we want others to do for us instead of figuring out what they actually want. Um, but yes, it, it helps you with communication. It helps you understand the people who you're talking to on a regular basis. So um, it's a beautiful thing. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. And even the love languages, like that's a great one too, because it'll teach you like which one of your team members are really going to value like the, you're doing a good job. Like you're fantastic. Like those like quick little like words that you're sending them versus where, who are the ones that like, you know, they're like, Oh, I don't care. Like that's, that's not me. I'd rather have you show it in some other way. Here's a piece yeah. of chocolate. All I had to do is feed somebody chocolate. Like, Hey, <laughs> Yeah. Every time you do something well, come by like, <laughs> or like a little note or like something. Yeah. There's some people that love like the gifts. Other people love the words of affirmation. I know for me, my top one for a love language is quality time. Yep. So I, I was always like, yeah, like a manager wants to spend like one-on-one -on -one time with me, go have lunch, go have a conversation. Like to me, that was like the biggest thing. It was like, don't cancel your time. Like just cause you're busy. Like I need the time. Like that was, that was important to me where it's like, yeah, I'm like, you have the gifts. I could really care less. Yeah. Just <laughs> another thing. Come on. <laughs> yeah. It was, but it was like, yeah, the, the time, like being invited to like a meeting where I was like getting that quality time with senior leaders. Like that was that's really what, what hit me. That's what motivated me. So yeah, knowing that stuff about your, your team members is great. If you educate yourself on the Enneagram, for example, you can kind of identify. And in my conversations, it usually comes out where we're talking and then I'm like, are you a three on the Enneagram? And they're like, yes, are you? And I'm like, yes, you know, cause you can kind of tell if you start to, or they don't know what it is and you share that with them. And it's a whole nother sidebar conversation that you build relationships by talking about. Um, so yeah, just educating yourself on it too. You can, you can identify what people are based on their actions. Yeah. And it's also one of those things like you want a balance. Like if you had a business and you have only threes in your business, you might think, well, this is great because everyone's a high achiever, oh, but you're missing so much. Like, and there's probably going to be conflict because everyone's going to be trying, like everyone's at the same thing, the same the same type of personality. So you want to balance. You don't want to hire people that are 100% like you all that the time. Is so, that is so good because what do we say? We say, nobody's as good as at what I do as I am. And we kind of condition ourselves prior to hiring to want to or need somebody just like us. Yes. But that is absolutely not what we need or want at all. You do not want to be working with yourself, right? You do yes. want people that can kind of offset each other. So that's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. You need that balance. You need to have that variety on your team. Just as the leader, you need to know how to work with the variety of people on your team. Mm -hmm. so I love that. All right. So before we wrap up today, how can people get in touch with you? So I am across all social media plant uh, channels. Um, communication and building relationships is my jam. It's always me. I do not delegate email. I do not delegate uh, Instagram or Facebook messengers. So you can find me. My website is jennacarelli.com. So first and last name.com, which you can probably see that below. And I'm the same thing on Instagram at Jenna Corelli. And my email is jenna at jennacarelli.com. And you are welcome to email me or message me anytime that you need to. 
Awesome. Yeah. So we'll definitely link to all that in the show notes. All right. And the last question that I like to ask everybody. So we've all had bosses in the past or worked with leaders, some good, some maybe not so good, but we all, we all have someone that we look up to and say, wow, that person was a great boss, a great leader. So think about the best boss or leader that you've interacted with in your either personal life or professional life. And tell us a little bit about that person. What is one quality or characteristic that made them really stand out as a great boss to you? Yeah, I have two that come to mind. One's male and one's female, which is cool. Um, So back when I was in the corporate world working as a paralegal, I had this male boss who um, really took the time to get to know me personally outside of our business. And again, I like that. I like relationship building. I was into health and wellness at the time and cooking up recipes all the time. And I had a blog where I shared those recipes and he read my blog and he would come into my office and he would ask me to print out this specific recipe he saw. <laughs> like, and this is, I was a paralegal. This was the legal field. We were not in health and wellness, but I enjoyed that because what it showed me was that he took the time to get to know me personally outside of business, which is a great quality of a leader in my opinion, because I felt like I not only did well at my job and he appreciated and respected me, but he also respected me as an individual and as a person with a life outside of our walls, right? In in our corporate world. So that was my male example. And then in in my entrepreneurship journey, my online business manager, same thing. I mean, her, I don't know if you guys are familiar with the Voxer walkie-talkie app, but that's how we communicated daily. Um, many multiple times a day. And she would check in with me at the end of every weekend and ask me how my weekend was. She asked me about my daughter as my daughter was growing up and she would just make sure I'm okay. Um, if, if the company she's managing my team, if we're putting out a lot of fires or at one point we had six clients and we were very overwhelmed and my boundaries are slim (laughs) and I was stressed out and she knew that. So she would check in and just make sure that my mindset was in the right place, praise me for the things that I was handling correctly. Um, so relation, building a relationship outside of that business relationship, obviously there's a guideline there that you should follow. (laughs) Um, but just showing the people that you're working with, that you do care about them as a person outside of just getting your tasks done. Yeah, I love that. We all have to remember that the people we work with are our people. They have other <laughs> things going on in their life. Work is just a portion of it. And they're going to do better for you when everything else in their life is going well as, as well. So showing that you care, showing that you're asking questions, engaging in that part of their life can really help increase those business relationships. So awesome. Well, thank you so much, Jenna, for coming on today and sharing with us all your great wisdom about growing and leading a team. Thank you so much for having me. What a great interview that was with Jenna Corelli. From her experience, you can see that you don't always have to start off as the perfect leader in order to become the great leader that your team needs. If you are listening to this around the date it goes live, do know that Jenna has a conference coming up in the Tampa Bay area. So head on over to the links in the show notes and check out the Raising Influence live event that will be taking place February 1st, 2020 in Tampa Bay. I am one of the speakers of that event 
and I really hope to see you there. I attended the event last year and I can definitely say that it was an amazing conference where I made so many great connections. If you're listening to this episode after February 1st or you're not able to make it to Tampa for this event, be sure to follow Jenna and stay up to date on the future events that she holds because they are events that you do not want to miss if you're trying to grow a business. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Growing Your Team with your host, Jamie Van Kite. Be sure to subscribe and head on over to growingyourteam.com to connect, access the show notes, and discover more ways to hire and leverage your perfect fit team.